Thank you. Um, it's still morning. Good morning. Uh, so I want you to think for a moment, okay? Uh, I want you to think of back to a good moment. Maybe it just happened right now. Maybe that was your good moment. A, an experience you had. Maybe it was a moment when you realized your life was going to change for the better. She said yes. He said yes. Or you saw that positive sign on that stick. Maybe it was a meal you had with friends and family that was delicious and rich with conversation and connection. Maybe it was a time when you were just enjoying someone's presence just out in the park, just a simple moment, but you remember it because you shared that with somebody that you loved. What is that good moment for you? Recently, um, this is the first time I'm sharing this publicly, I actually found out that I have a brother. Um, and my brother and I connected earlier this month. And this past week, we met for the first time after 30, over 30 years of not even knowing one another existed. And I share that with you because it's good news. It is good news. There is a power in good news. There is power in good stories. In fact, if you can look at or think back to one of those moments, how did that change your life? How did that make you feel? How did that make you respond? There are stories in our lives that are powerful. They're worth sharing. And they could even develop and shape our life and our direction where we go. And today I want to tell you not about good news, but about the good news. Today I want to tell you about the story of God that every story is modeled after. Every good book, every good movie that you watch is a shadow or a depiction of this story right here. It's a story that is told from beginning to end in this book right here. It is a story about a God who bestows his love on human beings. He gives them everything. And he is with him himself. And he says, everything that you have is mine and it is good and you can enjoy it. And there is just this relationship that we have with him. But it's a story where there's tragedy too. You see, because in the story... People, human beings like you and myself, decide to rebel against God and then seek happiness outside of him as if that were a thing. And you see this struggle all throughout the Bible, but God, being rich in mercy and love and grace and, and kindness, he decides, you know what, there is never going to be a way that we reconnect unless I go to them, unless I humble myself and go to them. And it is a story of a God who goes to great lengths to be with his people, even to the point of sacrificing his own life, defeating the greatest enemies that we have, the greatest threats that exist in our lives, the things that would keep us from connecting with God himself. 
and it is a story that is yet to be finished. But when it is, it is a story where the king himself will reign and he will rule in love and kindness and that peace, that joy, that love that existed in the garden, we will again get to experience in full. It is good news, family. It is good news. And so I want to share today a text where Jesus talks about the good news and his purpose in sharing good news. And here's the thing that I want us to take away. You ready? I got to respond to me. You ready? <laughs> you know, y'all know me. I like that, that feedback. You right? We preach together. Okay? Teamwork. Let's go. Jesus was, was sent to share good news, so we get to share good news also. Simple as that. Jesus was sent to share good news, so we get to share good news also. You can look on those papers that you were given, or you can open up a Bible, old-fashioned. Love that here. Go to Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And we're going to be picking up there in our text today. And it says this. When it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. A short text, but a beautiful one. Let's pray real quick before we dive in. Father, I thank you so much that you were sent, that you sent Jesus that you sent your spirit, and that you continue to send your church each and every day. I pray that this text would impact us and that we would leave here feeling motivated for your mission. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So if we are going to share good news, just as Jesus shared good news, then we need to first rest in the good news. We need to rest in that story. Look at Jesus in that beginning of that text where he says, when it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. Here, it doesn't tell us why Jesus did that. But in Mark's gospel, it says that he went to a deserted place to, to pray, to reconnect with the Father. And so to rest, we need to do two things. We need to reconnect and disconnect from distractions. Okay, we need to reconnect and disconnect from distractions. And Jesus had done this before. If you've been following our series, uh, you would remember back to when Tiffany preached on Jesus going into the wilderness. And the word there is the same word that is used here for a deserted place. It's eremos. I don't speak Greek, but that's my best attempt. And what it means is the deserted place. It is where Jesus would withdraw to get alone time with God. Now, if the Son of God needed alone time with God, then you and I do too. If Jesus thought it was an important use of his time, then it stands that it's an important use of our time. right? This is Jesus, the Son of God, who had all power and authority, who had a limited time on earth, if you think about it. 33 years is not a lot of time, all right? And, and even within that time, only a 
portion of it, maybe three or so years, are given to ministry. So within that, he's taking time to rest. See, there are so many things that we, that you and I can do in a single day, but it is important that you make sure that you take time to rest in your relationship with God. It is important that you and I take time to open this word and to hear from his very words ourselves. It is important to, to take that time to pray and not just to like rush through it, but to commune with God. See, there are so many things that can compete for this, but it is important for us that we focus for, foremost on the first thing, the most important thing, which is that connection with God and resting in his grace and mercy. Some people thought this was, would be a waste of time, right? Uh, uh, some people may would look at it and they would doubt Jesus' habits of retreat and say, you know, you could do something more productive. You got people literally searching for him. Like, this is like the parents in this room can identify with this, right? You go to the bathroom, you want to get your alone time, you want to take care of yourself, wash your face, I don't know, brush your teeth, you know, whatever it is. And who comes knocking, if you have little children in the house, who comes knocking at that door? There is no safe place for a parent. You are going to be followed everywhere at all times. And Jesus is dealing with something similar to this. He goes to rest, to relax, to have some time with his father. Right? That's what resting and relaxing meant to Jesus. Okay? And all these people come looking for him. And you would imagine like a businessman would probably be like, hey, Jesus, you got these crowds. You got this, you know what I'm saying? Set up this mega church. Come on, like, let's get it going. And Jesus is like, no, no, that is not my purpose. And so if we are to rest in good news, then we also must resist the temptation of redefining our purpose. There's a lot of R's in here today. I like alliteration. So we must resist the temptation of redefining our purpose if we're going to rest in the good news. In this passage, Jesus has set some goals for himself, and one of them being to rest in his relationship with the Father. But they don't let him live. They come to Jesus, and they're like, and maybe you can resonate with this, don't leave, right? Don't leave us. Stay with us. We want you here. This is good, isn't this? No, you know what I'm saying? Like, if somebody was asking Jesus to stay, don't you think that's a, that's a good thing, Right? But you, and, and we can identify with them a little bit, but Jesus is not persuaded because he knows his purpose. And while they may, may mean well, Jesus does not let himself get distracted from his purpose. So let me ask you guys, church, let me ask you, if you're here today, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? And then take inventory of your life. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your energy? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your affection? Whatever it is. Does that line up with our purpose? Not saying this to condemn anyone, but it is helpful for us to reflect on this. Here, Jesus has drawn away from the crowds to be alone with God, and they're making demands of him, but he knows what his purpose is. There will always be competing purposes in life. Always. There are always going to be. So the story of God tells us that we were made for God, to, to be with God and to join God in his mission to rescue and renew the world. 
But the culture will tell us to build our own brand because what we really need is not God, but to be God. The culture is, is going to tell us uh, uh, to to kick our feet up and relax, be entertained, consume some good foods, and then, only then, will you be happy after you have the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And if you've lived long enough, you know that when you reach that finish line, there's still something else. There is still something else. The culture tells us to build huge services, Right? To go to the show and then for the rest of the week, just get full and absorb, consume, and then for the rest of the week, just live our lives and do it again and again on another Sunday. There are many, many competing purposes, and we need to rest in God, reconnect with him consistently, and recognize and resist the alternative purposes vying for our attention. It's a lot. He's not going to be distracted but he rests and he tells us why he came. So what is that? So what is Jesus's purpose? Look at verse 43. It says, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also because I was sent for this purpose. If you're ever wondering what Jesus's purpose is, it doesn't get any clearer than a text like this. And so my second point today is that we need to remember our purpose to proclaim the good news. And in order for us to proclaim the good news, we need to ourselves know the good news. And in particular, what Jesus says here, the good news of the kingdom. This is one of the ways that Jesus proclaimed the good news or gospel. For those of you who've been in church a while, this is one of the ways that he's done that is by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In fact, this is probably one of his favorite ways of doing that. And so what is the good news of the kingdom? Well, I want to take us through the story real quick. I know I did a little bit before, but I'm going to do it again. It's not in light of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom goes all the way back to the king himself in creation. God himself is king, and he welcomes humanity to what? Have dominion over the creation, exercising their royal authority. All the while, they get to enjoy the blessings of the garden. They are lacking nothing. Everything is good. Everything is good to eat. There was only one rule. You had one job, fam, and you broke it. You did it. You, did, you just you couldn't resist that one thing. You have everything here. All right? And he says, be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 3, however, Genesis 3, we find the serpent persuading humans to essentially become their own kings. Okay, but that doesn't really go well. Man and woman realize they're naked, they're scared, they're being separated from the king and his kingdom. And we see this struggle continuing throughout the Old Testament. Every time they think this person is the one, this person is the promised one, they are let down time and time again and disappointed. We're in the biblical story now in Luke 4 where we find ourselves here in this text. We're in the point now where the king has showed up. Jesus is saying, I'm the king. The kingdom is at hand. It's before you right now. Um, and, and, we, and we see this clearly, as we saw a few weeks ago when uh, Brother John preached. He was saying, Jesus said in Luke 4, 17, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. 
to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of God is really about Jesus's rule and reign. And this is a king, okay, who, who what does he do? He loves the poor. The people that are often overlooked and lack resources, what does he do? He intentionally looks at those people. He releases those who are captive, liberating people held down by injustice, and he makes the blind see, restoring literal physical capabilities. And we saw that two weeks ago when we were uh, with David, that God cares not just about spiritual things, but physical things as well, that his kingdom runs through everything. There is no nook and cranny that he is not proclaimed that he is king over. It is the news of the king who chose, though, to bring his reign through an act of sacrificial love. This is crazy for our culture right now. It's a, a king who dies for his enemies See, when you read the Gospels, the crucifixion of Jesus is often depicted as his enthronement. So he wears what? A crown, but a crown of thorns. He's put a robe, but he's not necessarily lifted up onto a throne. He's lifted up onto a cross. This is the type of king that we serve, one who is willing to serve and save the lost. But it's also a king who does not stay dead, but defeats death, defeats sin, and resurrects. It's what many theologians call an upside-down kingdom, but how many of us watch Stranger Things? The upside-down ain't really a good place, right? So I'm going to rebrand this and call it the right-side-up kingdom. The kingdoms of this world, those are upside-down. And Jesus says, no, you you have heard it said, but I say. And he flips it on his head. The low, the overlooked, people who were cast out, they are exalted. If they, the humble are exalted and the proud are humbled. This is the good news. And the kingdom has been inaugurated. And one day, like I said earlier, we're going to experience it in full. The king will reign on earth. And every single injustice, everything that was wrong will be right. Everything will be right and reordered in his purposes. So we rest in the good news. We remember our purpose to proclaim good news by, one, knowing the good news of the kingdom, but also by seeing ourselves as sent ones. We see ourselves as sent ones. All right? So this is what it means. Being part of the kingdom means that you are also part of the mission of the king. Jesus knows what he is sent to do, and he is set on that. He isn't allured by the crowd's uh, request, but his eyes are locked on the goal. He knows what his mission is, and he's going to be faithful to see it through. So, Jesus tells us that his mission, his purpose is what? To proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And we get to play a role in that. So another question for you all. How many of us see ourselves as sent ones? How many of us see ourselves as people going forward as an ambassador of the king? 
being a representative of his kingdom. What would change in our lives if instead of saying, I'm going to work, you said, I'm being sent to work. Instead of saying, I'm going to, to hang out with this person, I'm being sent to go hang out with this person. See, my brother and I, we weren't raised together. I mentioned that before, right? But there's something that happens when you meet your brother. It's weird. I don't know. It's, it's a, nobody tells you how to re- react to one of these situations. Where because they're your brother, you just automatically have this love towards them. You treat them like your brother. The, 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 we've texted every single day since we first met each other. Like, it's been like that. Right? And he even went out of his way to come visit me up here in New York. Um, and the, the reason why is not because he's trying to earn some sort of identity or try to be someone. It's because he already is a brother. And he's just acting like one. Fam, you are already sent. You are already sent. You are already sent. Like, we, we, talk, we have these things of, like, missionaries where you're, like, going to this crazy place in the world. You are all missionaries. Charles Spurgeon once said, you are either a missionary or an imposter. Because in the kingdom, when you know Jesus, there is no way that you can't share that with people that you love. There is no way that you can say, I've been totally changed and transformed. I went from death to life, from darkness to his marvelous light, and then go and live your life like, let me just have some pudding. No. Like, that doesn't work. It does not work. You are a sent one. That is your identity. You're not trying to be something you're not. You're living into who you already are. And so before we ever go, before we ever share a word, before we tell people what what the kingdom is like, right, we need to embody that identity because this, this is the God that we serve. He's a God who did not wait for, for man to come looking for him. Once sin happened, he went into the garden and he sent himself into the very place where they were messed up to clothe them. He sent his son to the world to die for them. He sent his spirit to the church to, to live within them as his temple and to go, and empower them to go and be a witness to the world. That is the identity that we embody. When you're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're baptized into that very identity of being a sent one. That wasn't even in my notes, fam. <laughs> We need to embody that identity of sentness and remember our purpose to proclaim good news. Only then, only then will we rise for those opportunities to spread the good news. What would your mood be like if you realized you were part of a a divine mission? And so, last thing, we need to rise to spread good news. Same way you might have spread some cream cheese or butter on your bagel, this gospel needs to get spread. This gospel needs to go all over wherever it is that you are. And so to this point, at this point in the story, right, back to Luke 4, Jesus hasn't really seen, like, 
tons of people give their lives over to God, right? He's been preaching, and they, they sure they love his miracles. They want him to, to heal them. But besides, like, Peter's mom who serves him, you don't really see that in the Gospel of Luke yet. But just like Jesus, right, we are going to go out, and we're not going to see fruit sometimes. We're just not. But we get to reach people that God will save. And that's the key. We don't save a single person. But we get to be a part of that act of God saving them. So Jesus goes and he continues to preach in the synagogues. Um, And there are a few things that I'd like to share with us regarding being sent ones, okay? And how we can spread the good news. Now, for Jesus, he would preach in the synagogues where he had an opening and an opportunity, right? For us, that would be something like, let's say, going to the south in the Bible Belt and preaching to places where a lot of people identify as Christians, but maybe they haven't necessarily understood or accepted the message of Jesus for themselves, right? So they just kind of, it's like a cultural thing, right? Like, I'm a Christian, like, I am a, you know, person, like, it's just, I I like football, like that kind of thing for them. Um, but in New York City, right, that can often be a little bit more hindering and helpful, like going out, grabbing the microphone, putting a speaker on there and saying, you know, whatever people say, right? And oftentimes, if you're passing by, uh, it doesn't really sound like good news, right? Let's just keep it honest. We're walking down the street. We hit, you're going to die. You're going to hell. Like, and it's like, oh, damn. You got it. That's a gospel of Jonah. All right. Um, like, where's the good news at? And God can still use that like he did with Jonah. But, right, there is so much that that can hinder. That can be a hindrance to sharing, to getting the news out there. And so what did Jesus do? I think there's another way that uh, is more faithful to Jesus and more, like, contextual for where we live, right? So it's better for our context. So what did Jesus do? Jesus ate with people. He sat down and had a meal with people. That's crazy. You get to know somebody before you share about good news with them? No, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus did what else? What else he did? He liked to party a lot. All right? Jesus, his first miracle was he created some good wine. Like, good stuff. That they were surprised. They were like, oh, you say this. That's usually, by that point, people are turned. They, they don't, <laughs> their taste buds is gone. They're just, like, trying to get a little bit more. And Jesus does his miracle. He's also, in, later on in Luke 15, we'll see that Jesus loves parties that, so much that he talks about three stories where they all end in a party. One of them is the prodigal son. And parties can be big or small. You don't have to go all out for that. Jesus asked a lot of questions. Jesus made the the kingdom tangible. He met physical needs. Um, And this is, so so this is the things that I want to encourage us to do as a church. All right? If we are going to share the good news with others and live out of the mission of Jesus and live out of our purpose as sent ones, then here's what we first have to do. We have to make not yet believing friends. Some of y'all, most, many of y'all do this already. You have friends, you're like normal people on the block, just getting to know people. 
But I, I heard about this exercise, and maybe you want to do this too, where you create a block map, right? Just write down your eight closest neighbors. You know when Jesus said, love your neighbor, that, that was obviously a metaphorical thing, meaning the person that was farthest from you. But it also means your literal neighbor. It can also apply to that. So make a, a map of your neighbor. What are your eight closest neighbors' names? Okay? What are their names? Just basic information. What are their names? Then what are their, what other information can you know about them without looking at them, right? So this person drives this car. Like, all right, you could know that by seeing them park it, right? But what other things can you know? What are their dreams? What are their hopes? What are the things that they've been hurt by in the past? What are some of the, the pains that they've experienced, okay? Getting to know your neighbors, that right there can open up so many doors. What if we were a church who knew the eight closest people to us? Right there, you have a mission field. Um, this, is, this may be shocking, but stop inviting people to church. Start inviting the church to them. So there is something that Jess and I, we've, we've begun doing that where we have dinners, and we just invite people over for dinner. So we invited some, some of our neighbors, some of our friends, uh, who don't yet believe. But we'll also invite somebody from the church. And we'll just have a normal dinner. There's no, like, altar call at the end of it. We're just having a normal dinner. All right? Yes. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> um, we'll just have a normal dinner. And we'll get to know them. And you know how many times God's come up? Because when you love something, you share that love. It's just inevitable. Sometimes they bring it up. And you're just like talking. Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? Make this message tangible. This is that person that always preaches to me. But what about if you were able to say, yo, I see you have kids, you know what I mean? Like, we're getting to know each other better. If you trust me, like, maybe I can watch your kids for you. All right? Something like that. Um, share your story. In case you haven't noticed, my favorite way of sharing the good news is by sharing a story. I like to go through the story of God. I like to go through my personal story. And in my personal story, you will see the story of God. In the beginning, everything was great. Everything was fine. But then something happened. And then I got redeemed by Jesus, and I've been working through that. And one day, there will be a day, hallelujah, glory, praise God, where I will no longer struggle with the things that I struggle with. All right? Um... Then also take, take it step by step, right? A relationship usually moves from, you know, things you can see to things you don't, all right? And at first you start with small talk. I, small talk makes me nervous, all right? I can't, you know, I'd rather, what's your deepest fear? Let's go. <laughs> that's, that's me, all right? But you can't do that. I can't do that. So, you know, start with that stuff. Start with those details. Then get to know their hopes. Then get to know their hurts. Um. And then finally, share what you love. Do not try to convert anyone. That may sound weird to you, but you can't convert anyone. You can only invite them into the party. You can invite, you can be faithful, you can love, and then you can watch as Jesus, as Jesus changes their heart and brings them from death to life and from darkness into his marvelous light. So in closing, all right, 
In closing, I want y'all to know that Jesus went to share good news, and so we also get to share good news. That's something we need to do. And we can do this by resting in the good news ourselves, okay? Because when you are full of something, that's what comes out of you. We can reconnect with God, disconnect from distractions, resist the temptation of redirecting our attention, and that is how we're going to rest in God. There are so many things that will vie for your attention, all right? This week alone, I had to turn down, and this is going to, y'all probably look at me weird, free Yankee tickets, Yankee versus Red Sox. I know, I know, right? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) But, and that was the same game that Aaron Judge tied his home run record with Babe Ruth. It was, I was tight. But I had to turn that down because I had a lot going on this week. And that wasn't my purpose. We need to remember our purpose to proclaim the good news. When we remember not just the good news of the kingdom, but who we are as sent ones. And we live out of that identity to spread the good news. We are going to see so much transformation around us. All right? And people will change their perception of the church. It's not those hypocrites. Okay? It's those redeemed ones. All right? Um, some people say the church is full of hypocrites. I say, no, we could always use one more. <laughs> But on a serious note, Jesus came to share good news, so you get to share good news as well, all right? I love y'all. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for coming to meet us, to save us, to love us, and for modeling to us the way to live. I pray, God, that as we leave from this place, that we would think, how am I going to be a sent one? How am I going to love like Jesus, live like Jesus, and get to know my neighbors? How am I going to be faithful in the places that God has me so that others can hear and know this good news? In Jesus' name, amen.